Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Okay, welcome to another episode of uh, Original Remake. Uh, my co-host, Michael Dennison, is not joining in today because he does not believe a man can fly. So, sitting in his place is Jay from the Kida and Jay Show. What's up, Jay? Hey, what's going on, Peter? How you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us to, or joining me today. Well, thank, thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, if uh, people aren't familiar with your show, can you tell us a little bit about it? I know you guys cover like movies. Sometimes you have lists and also you guys talk about wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Keita and Jay show. Uh, my co-host, uh, Keita Hubbard. Um, we started the show last year in uh, September, matter of fact, because we, we connected through um, Twitter and we talked a lot about, you know, wrestling, movies, different stuff like that. And so then we got the idea of saying, ah, let's start a podcast. So we came up with the idea. Um, we just used, you know, Keita and Jay because we couldn't really come up like any other title for our podcast or whatnot. So we use our names and everything. So, yeah, so primarily we do wrestling. That's kind of our, you know, claim to fame, if you will. Um, we primarily do wrestling. And then because of how much of a movie person that I am, I said, you know, let's also try to bring in like more uh, fan base and do movies. So that's why we do our movie talk episodes, which is basically Jay and Keita movie talk because we kind of flipped the title around in that sense. So that's pretty much how we came about. Yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, recommend that the uh, listeners subscribe to the show, especially if you're a fan of wrestling, because I, I think, like like you said, you do uh, more of the wrestling talk, too. So I, I think uh, my co-host Devin over at We Got Five would be a, a big fan because he's into, he called it wrestling and corrects me if I say it wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, there there is a difference. You have wrestling and then you have wrestling. <laughs> okay. See, so I, I didn't know that there was a difference. I thought he was just trying to throw me shade for not saying it correctly. <laughs> All right. So today you're joining me to talk about not really a remake uh, per se, but Superman 2 and also Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. So the first movie was uh, directed by a Richard Lester. Now, this came out in uh, 1980, and uh, it stars, you know, uh, Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve, Marlon Brando, uh, Ned Beatty, Marco Kidder, and uh, Terrence Stamp, and Jack Halloran, and uh, Sarah Douglas, who are also uh, the villains. The Richard Donner cut, same people just except for it's directed by Richard Donner. You know, short story of what happened was Richard Donner directed one and two Superman, that is, together, and he got fired uh, during two. And in order for Richard Lester to get the uh, directing credits, he had to direct, I, I think it's over 51% of the, the footage for it to be uh, his name. So the Richard Donner cut, while uh, they were, I think it was in, 2000, 2005, when they were kind of uh, remastering Superman 1, this editor by the name of Michael Tao, he he decided to uh, get with Richard Donner, and they recovered a bunch of old footage 
that was essentially Richard Donner's vision of what Superman 2 was supposed to be. And that's why this movie was released in 2006, along with the, the re-released, you know, Superman set, you know, on Blu-ray. And, that, and I'm sure they had the DVD version as well. So, uh, so Jay, before we even get into uh, any more of the details, where are you with uh, with Superman? Like, is he one of your faves? Is he not? He's one of my faves. I mean, okay. I, I'm looking forward to the whole uh, Batman versus Superman that's going to be coming out here uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been one of my favorites. I, I've always been you know, intrigued with his story because um, I don't know if you know that, you know, uh, Superman in a sense is almost like the telling of Jesus Christ in a way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I always found it interesting how they kind of, you know, flip that whole thing around to make Superman's story. So I've always been intrigued with that. Uh, I've been a fan of the Christopher Reeves of Superman, at least one and two. I mean, after one and two, it kind of, you know, goes yes. off on, <laughs> on a bad um, venture. Um, I wasn't really into Smallville, surprisingly enough. Okay. And then with uh, Superman Returns that came out, you know, with uh, Brandon Ralph, uh, I I saw it, but at the same time, I kind of had mixed feelings on it. So, but at, in regards to Superman, I am a fan of the character. Okay. Now, how, uh, how do you feel about the Man of Steel movie? Man of Steel, I actually enjoy it. Okay. Because it was, I mean, I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. Uh, I, I like his films. Um, I know s- some people, they feel that, you know, Zack Snyder films like hit or miss certain ones, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. I like what he did with Man of Steel. That's one reason, too, I'm kind of, you know, looking forward to see, okay, how does he incorporate Batman into what he established with Man of Steel? And from what I've seen with the trailers and certain spots like that, I, like I said, I'm, I'm really invested in it. So, so yeah, that's that's how I feel about Man of Steel. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I I do like it. I understand people's uh, problems with uh, many things, especially the uh, the whole disaster, you know, with Metropolis, you know, at the end with it with the big fight. You know, I, I'm fine with that. People died. I'm sure. You know, it happened in Avengers too. You know, yeah, so. yeah, which is funny. Yeah, just to comment on that, yeah, I think it's very funny. You know, people they had a problem with what happened at uh, in the Man of Steel in that regard, but when it comes to Avengers, same, like you say, same, same thing happened, but no one seems to you know focus on that with Avengers. It's like, well, it's the same thing, but Man of Steel, I guess it wasn't supposed to you know be or whatnot. I don't know. I, I think what it is is because uh, like Superman didn't even attempt to save people, probably, and, and also people just liked Avengers better because you know it was the better movie uh, yeah. in most people's opinions. <laughs> that's, that's probably where it was, really. <laughs> possibly, yeah, that could yeah. be. It. Okay, um, Superman two. Now we, we talked about this off mic. You had never even you didn't even know the Richard Donner uh, version here existed. No, I didn't, and, and and I feel like a bad movie fan for that because I'm someone that usually knows about like when there's special cuts to movies. Even if I'm not necessarily a fan of those movies, I know that there's multiple you know versions, different cuts, a director's cut, uh, assembly cuts in the vein of like Alien Three or whatnot. You know, so mm-hmm. I've been aware of different versions of movies, but for some reason, this one I guess slipped me by somehow. I don't know. Okay, so we're going to uh, focus mostly on uh, the big differences and kind of give our thoughts about it. But uh, for those that need a bit of refresher in Superman 2, uh, some of the main things that happen, this is where we get Zod, uh, Nan, and uh, Ursa, you know, that uh, get released from the Phantom Zone and they come to uh, Planet Houston, yes. uh, as they call it. <laughs> and um, 
while they're there, they look for the son of Jor-El. You know, Jor-El, obviously played by Marlon Brando, was the one that jailed them uh, in the in the first movie. And then we also, uh, this is also the pivotal movie where Lois uh, finds out his real identity. So let's start off with uh, the beginning of the Richard Donner cut, where the, the biggest difference is that Lois figures it out right away that uh, Superman is Clark Kent because she's looking at a newspaper of uh, of Superman. He's just standing there with his arms crossed and she sees uh, Clark across the way, arms crossed. And then she starts drawing like sunglasses, or not sunglasses, but his glasses and, uh, you know, the hat that he wears and a suit on him. What do you think about that scene there? Well, because I watched uh, both films. Uh, matter of fact, I watched uh, Superman 2 on Friday, and then I watched uh, the um, Richard Donner's cut yesterday. So okay. right off the bat, when I'm watching the Richard Donner cut, you, you already can tell, you know, there's a difference. This this version is very different from 2, from, you know, the theatrical cut. So in regards to that scene, I thought, yeah, it, it was almost like it was rushed in a way. The way they portrayed him is like as soon as he walks in, she's sitting there, she's with the newspaper, she looks up at him, like you say, and she just quickly, oh, well, let me, you know, draw his suit. Uh, oh, oh, Clark, Clark Kent is Superman. You know, it, okay. it, it, it was like, okay, that's that's kind of too fast in a sense. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Uh, it, it told me two things. Uh, I, I saw it a, a different way, actually. It made me think like, okay, you know, she's a, she's a good reporter. I get that. And and then the other thing it told me is that uh, his disguise clearly does not work. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's always been obvious in regards to him, because I think um, some years back when uh, The Rock hosted uh, Saturday Night Live and he was they did the whole Clark Kent Superman thing and they had uh, the Superman suit basically bursting out from underneath his suit. And but he's Clark Kent, but uh, you know the cape is dragging on the floor and everything like that. So it's always been that joke that you know Clark Kent, his disguise basically is just a joke in a sense because it's his vision of what he sees, you know, the human race. To quote Tar- um, Quentin Tarantino from Kill Bill Two through uh, David Carradine's character when he made that mm-hmm. whole Superman speech, which I which I enjoyed that speech because I hadn't even thought about it that way. Okay. And now on the flip side of the uh, the opening scene, is uh, on the, the theatrical version with uh, Richard Lester. Now he opens up that that movie with some kind of like a um, something's going on in Paris at the Eiffel Tower, and uh, apparently uh, Perry White sent sent Lois over there. So this doesn't happen in the Richard Donner cut. So Superman he uh, goes over to Paris. You know, uh, takes the the bomb outside to space, and that's that's what releases uh, you know your three baddies out of the Phantom Zone. Whereas in the Richard Donner cut, it goes straight to Lois trying to prove that you know Clark Kent is indeed Superman by jumping out of the window. Yeah, which which in a way is like okay, Lois, you you really going to the extreme here with this you, to prove that Clark you know is Superman and the way he. Um, kind of, you know, defers that away, you know, he quickly runs down there and says, but then he runs back upstairs and looks out the window like, oh my God, Lois, and everything like, so he's he's doing his best to try to, you know, keep her from being, you know, being right, even though he knows she's right, and everyone, you know, watching knows she's right, but he's doing, he's trying to do his best to keep her from, you know, finding out his secret, you know, or putting it out there, because, with her being the reporter that she is, of course she would put that story out, even if 
she didn't really want to. She knows she would have to being the journalist that she is. Yeah, it it it, it really mirrors the the scene uh, at Niagara Falls in the Lester cut. You know, just like when she jumps off, uh, you know, into the water, and he's not he's not trying to save her, right? So he's like running along, like Lois. Oh, geez, Lois. You know, and and it, he shoots like a, like a tree branch, you know, so she can grab a hold of that. So pretty similar, just a, a different way, except for like she she jumps off of a building, and and then he runs down and tries to like um a blow at her to kind of like slow down her fall, you know, so she can land on a bunch of watermelons. I I actually found it pretty hysterical in the Richard Donner cut. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, because it was almost like a slap joke because you know yeah. after she lands in the woman and everybody gathers around and then she, she looks up she she's all confused and everything she looks up and she sees clark <laughs> up there and then she's like clark and then she passes out yeah, <laughs> yeah she passes out yeah it's, it's pretty slapstick like that's why i thought it was funny like it, it was working for me in regards to um like the actual opening opening of both films i thought that it, it, it's funny i kind of like bits and pieces from both in a way, like in regards to how, uh, you know, our three villains are released, you know, because in the theatrical version is is one way. And then in the Richard Donner cut, you know, is him is the whole thing because they do that big recap of the ending part of the, one. Yeah. A part one. Yeah. And it's like, OK, well, this is how it actually I like that version, the, the Richard Donner version of it better than the theatrical cut because in the, for me the theatrical version when it begins it almost feels disjointed in a way okay like it, it's 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 almost like okay let's it, there's no real story in a way to the beginning part because you know most openings there's a okay we're building towards something with with the theatrical version it was almost like okay we have to cut and paste this here together and but it wasn't really like a real story wasn't evolving where in, in the Richard Donner cut, there was a more of a story progression. I felt. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. With the, with the lesser versions, like, well, how the hell did this shit in Paris just happen? <laughs> like, well, and, and how the hell did uh, Lois get to Paris so fast? Like if this just happened, you know what I mean? And uh, the, the Richard Donner cut, like, like you, like you had mentioned, it's, it's, uh it's, from the events of part one, you know, Lex Luthor shoots off these nu- nuclear missiles and uh, Superman intercepts one of them and takes the rocket outside into space. That explodes and that's what frees the baddies. So I agree with you. I, I, I liked how uh, the Richard Donner cut ties in to the end of part one. Yeah, because um, like you say, you know, he filmed them back. To, and it was filming them back to back. So, of course, it had to right. be basically one big movie that you're going to split into two parts. So, yeah, you want a better progression opposed to, you know, having something that is completely out of left field. It's kind of tossed in there. So I guess that was Lester's uh, way of, you know, something that he probably came up with. That whole Paris terrorist thing, just to yeah. throw it in there, I guess, to give a little more cushion to his vision of the movie, I'm supposing. Yeah, that, that, that's that's all it is. Like he's just trying to sprinkle a little bit here and there to make it a little bit more his. And oh, man, we'll we'll talk about some of those sprinkles. <laughs> uh, one thing I did notice a, a difference here, and and here's one right now. Matter of fact, it's when uh, we see Otis and Luther in jail. Uh, the added part to the theatrical version was this whole uh, hologram thing, right? Yes. This, this little projection. You don't get that in the Richard Donner cut. It's actually pretty uh, cut and dry. They don't really show you what happens. They just cut straight to them trying to escape, basically, after after the little talk in the laundry room. Yeah, it, and to speak on that, you know, okay, 
it's funny when you watch both films, especially back to back, and it's like especially back to back, yeah. And certain scenes you see, but you see them completely different. Even though it might be the same scene, you see it completely different. And what I'm referring to, you know, when they're in the laundry room and yes. and they're talking and everything, and they're walking, and when Lex walks past the guy, he's like, "I want my Liberace uh, record <laughs> to you know yeah. tonight." And I, it makes me when the guy's like tonight, it makes me wonder. Okay, is was he referring to the whole hologram thing? And he was just saying his um, Liberace record. I wonder if that's what that meant. I think so, you know, because that kind of plays into it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially when he, especially it's like, okay, one, Lex Luthor is listening to Liberace records. It's like, okay, no, we can't be that. So it has to be something else. And then when you think about it, it's okay, well, that whole, you know, laser, you know, and everything, like that hologram. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that's what that was. Like yeah, I say, it, yeah. But it's funny, like I say, the first time I saw it, you know, you don't think about it, but then when you see it again from the, from uh, Richard Donner's cut, it's like, okay, well, maybe that's what it was, because especially with the fact they don't show that scene. Right, right. So so once um, we got Miss Tessmacher and Luther uh, at the Fortress of Solitude, now there's a big difference here. I, I don't know if you were surprised, but in the theatrical release, um, they talked to his mom, right, the... Uh, I don't know her name. Uh, is it Laura? No, wait. I, I'm mixing up like the, the the whole Supergirl and Superman uh, families here. But Superman's mom, yeah, okay, Mrs. Mrs. L. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. L. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, uh, Superman is my favorite superhero, but I'm not like a diehard Superman fan. Like, I'm, a, you know, he's my favorite superhero. Yeah, that's it. You know, so so I I may not get like all the mythos correct. Um, so I want to throw that out before I get some hate mail, but, uh, in the Donner version, you get Marlon Brando. So when, when, uh, Donner was, uh, was fired, they also got rid of all of, you know, Brando's footage because they didn't want to have to, uh, have to pay him. And so obviously the mom, the actress who played the mom was going to be uh, a lot, uh, a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So they went with her in the, the theatrical version. So did, did you like, uh, seeing Marlon Brando back? Well, because of the fact, I mean, around this time, I mean, just to go into a little side story, um, you know, around this time of Marlon Brando's career, he was really difficult to work with, you know, stuff because, you know, he's coming off the heels of uh, Apocalypse Now and, you know, everything that happened with that. But mm-hmm. in regards to Superman, you know, the fact of him getting top billing and all that type of stuff, I really wasn't uh, happy to see Marlon Brando. In, in the extended scenes from, you know, from the Richard Donner cut, because they almost felt kind of pretentious in a way. I almost okay. want to go that route. But, um, I mean, in the opening with him, you know, because you actually get to see him in that part. And we, when they're sentencing, um, uh, uh, like on their names, right? Our villains um, right. and everything. You see him in that part. But then with the whole uh, Fortress of Solitude um, and you see see him in that cut. I actually like the mom part better than his part with uh Lex Luthor and uh, Miss Tessmacher. Okay. I uh, I wonder for me if I'm just used to the mom and but I I kind of agree like I I don't feel like I was like hey you know that that's kind of cool that uh it was Brando before cuz I didn't know, you know, but for me like my my biggest issue with Brando like all these years was him pronouncing Krypton as Krypton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like bro, you you live there. Like, how do you not say it right? <laughs> well, I mean, he, I mean, he, you know, he's over it, so he, I mean, he can say it however he want to say it. Really, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the theatrical version, at about this point, is actually when they're in Niagara Falls, and then we get that uh, that reveal of Clark when uh, he trips over, you know, the bare rug, 
and his hand goes into the the fire pit. Yeah, you know, Lois sees it, and there, there's no burns. Um, I, I wanted to get your take on this because I, I know people they're pretty div- uh, divisive of how they think that scene was supposed to play out. Some were like, "Oh, you know, subconsciously, Clark." wanted to reveal himself as Superman to Lois and he felt like this was the way to do it. And I feel like, uh, I mean, other people's are like, no, he's, he's Superman. He doesn't accidentally trip on something. You know what I mean? So what, what was your take on that particular scene in the theatrical version? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a good topic for discussion because you're right. I mean, he is Superman. He don't accidentally trip over anything. But at the same time, I think it's also his it's more his feelings for Lois are becoming very strong and he he wants her to know who he is. So maybe, you know, it was a sub- subconscious thing of where. I need to reveal myself. He probably wasn't planning on, you know, tripping over the, you know, the bear rug and falling into right. the fire. But I think at some point that he would, he would have, you know, revealed his true identity to her. It just so mm-hmm. happened. It happened like that. It was more like a fate thing. Okay. This you, you keep, you know, dwelling on when you want it to happen. Well, it, it's going to happen like this type of thing. Right. That, that's how I look at it. Now, the Richard Donner version, completely different. And also in this version, we get the, the, the actual t- uh, test footage, not an actual, uh, you know, the actual shoot, because uh, clearly you see, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Reeve isn't quite as bulky, you know, a- as he is in the movies. And uh, I-, I think Marco Kidder even looks, she looks like a little bit younger, but also kind of kind of thinner, you know. So, so it, yeah, they both look different. And the, the glasses Clark wears is completely different as well. But uh, in that scene, um, Lois, she she pretends to shoot Clark. And then, you know, Clark's like, okay, well, she shot me. Uh, clearly, I'm not going to die from it. Uh, I'm revealing myself now. And it is revealed that Lois uh, had actually used a uh, a blank. So because he was like, well, if, you know, if you were wrong, Clark would have been dead. She's like, well, not with a blank. So, so that was kind of a nice reveal to me. Do, 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 uh, which which uh, version do you prefer of the reveal? Well, I actually like the uh, whole shooting, um, her shooting him version better. But at the same time, it made me think like, okay, Richard Donner, you was really, you know, going, you know, pushing some li- ba- you know limits here because you know basically Lois will she will go to the extreme to commit suicide to prove that Clark Kent is Superman. She will even try to kill Clark Kent to prove that he's Superman type of thing. So it's like, okay, Richard Donner, you had some other, you know, you know, stuff going on here with as far as the extremes that she would go to to prove that Clark Kent is Superman. But I did enjoy the, you know, her shooting him version because in the end it kind of plays off like a joke. In the sense, right. because like, oh well, not with blanks type of deal, opposed to because uh, if it had been, you know, if he really wasn't you know, uh, Superman and she actually had a real gun and she shot him. Yeah, you would be dead. Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, in the daughter version, this actually kind of changes uh, uh, Lois's character a little bit, trying to sacrifice herself, sacrificing Clark, just trying to prove her being right. You know, whereas like the theatrical version, yeah, they don't do that at all. And that that, that makes her, you know, uh, completely different. Now, what I do like uh, about the Donner cut is, the acting like i know that was just a test footage but they acted the hell out of that scene yeah they did it it, it played like i said it was more serious in tone because you know he's standing there like come on lois you you know 
and everything like that. And you trying to say, okay, where is this going? Okay, is she actually going to do it? Or was she, you know, you think, well, is she going to flake out and be like, ah, no, you're not Superman type of deal. But like I said, she go ahead and do it. And then, of course, it's revealed. She actually used blanks. I, I guess maybe in his mind, he was like, she, she's she's not going to shoot me. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm Clark Kent. She cannot possibly shoot me. So when she pulls that trigger, I feel like, you know, he could have been fast enough to try to catch something that wasn't coming. But obviously, he just like uh, got caught off guard. Like, wow, she actually pulled the trigger on me, you know, and, and didn't react. One thing that uh, the Lester version does is they, I, I feel that they spend uh, a lot more time in that small little town. Uh, I think it's in Idaho. Mm, yep. Did did you get that sense too that they spent a lot more time in the Lester version versus the Donner version? Well, okay, okay. Now, now I'm kind of getting them jumbled because uh, the that's Marvel, what happens when you watch them back to back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, um, I I like the version where they do spend more time in the town where you get to see them when they go into the diner and you know they're just kind of wrecking havoc on this town and just keep proclaiming about oh this is Planet Houston as a uh, right. <laughs> as, as uh, General Zod says Houston. Um, and like how they're just wrecking havoc and, you know, the, the people in the town is like, who where the, who the heck are these people? Where do they come from? What are they doing? And, and, and the whole thing with the sheriff and his deputy, I thought was funny as well. Because yeah, uh, you get to see a little bit more of them also. Yes, that. And then the, you got the little boy and then the arm wrestling scene yep. in the theatrical version, whereas Donner, all soldiers. Yep. Uh, I don't think I have an opinion uh, to to either either way. Like I, I'm fine with both. I I do like the the um, theatrical version for having the the arm wrestling scene because in see now I'm kind of mixing mixing them up a little bit. But the uh, did the theatrical version like in the beginning did they have uh, Marlon Brando talking about like why they were being uh, jailed? You know, because I know in the Donner version, for sure, he's talking about how Ursa, you know, for her uh, perversions and, and all this. So, you know, that she's kind of like, a, you know, kind of like a super feminist kind of thing yep. against men. So did that did that happen in the theatrical version? No, they didn't. They, they just okay. got straight to the point of, you know, imprisoning them and getting them out of there. Whereas, like you say, in the Donner version, you get a little like more of a backstory about each three because they talk about how Ursa is, how Nan is, and then that General Zod, he's the one that kind of keeps them in line in a sense. Yeah. See, like, I feel like, uh, you know, and I think you mentioned this a little bit uh, earlier that if you got like bits and pieces from both movies, you could have like a, a really good movie. Yeah. You know, because, because that little bit of exposition, uh, that, that helps out the, the, the arm wrestling scene, you know, like she's trying to take on like all these men who think that, you know, she is weak, Yep. you know, so I, I kind of like that. And that, that kind of is the same thing with uh, later on when they're at the white house, but Donner version, you got Ursa going up to one of the uh, the generals, and she, you know she rips off his ribbons, and she's like, "Interesting, in this world, is backwards." You know, uh, uh, the, the men are wearing like medals and ribbons. You know, so she tears off this um, general's ribbons, and and you know, I don't think she wears it, but she just finds it funny that they they all have these medals, you know, on their uniforms. Yeah, because she because she does that uh, to the uh, to the deputy too when they're on the street. She's like. Oh, yep. what is this? Takes a badge. Do, yeah, who do you serve? Who do you serve? And she snatches it off and looks at it. So I, yeah, you're right. It, it is kind of interesting that you know how she is in that regard. Yeah. Uh. So at the Fortress of Solitude, uh, pretty pretty big difference here. Um, where in the Donner version they actually have sex while he's still Superman. Yeah. 
They do. And yeah, theatrical version, it's not until his mom, you know, takes away his powers. So now I know that some people, I, I think the mythos is that, yeah, he's not supposed to have sex because, you know, of his strength and such. Like, does that bother you at all? Or are you like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter? It, when I was a kid, you know, and used to watch the movies and everything, I didn't really, you know, focus on that because you're a kid, don't think about it like that. But as you get older, it's almost kind of become like a, like a running joke in a way because it's like, yeah, he has this super strength, but at the same time, I think he can control how strong he actually is. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that he would, you know, but, but then again, you never know if he would, you know, fully go all out and, you know, break a back or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it like I say, it's become a joke. It's somewhat of a running joke about his strength if he has sex as, as Superman opposed to just being a regular human being. Yeah, I don't think it bothers me because like if, if he can shake a hand, if he can give somebody a hug and not hurt them, you know. I'm sure yeah. he can just lay there and, you know, like Lois could do her thing and they'd be okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it didn't bother me, but I thought it is interesting that both both of them do it differently. You know, theatrical version, they don't have sex until after he loses his powers. And then the Donner version, clearly he does it as Superman. Um, in the Donner version, I do like I do like the visual where um, he's actually wearing normal clothes and you see him fly from like one ledge to the other. Mm -hmm. Whereas the theatrical, you don't get that. And I don't think uh, we, we see him like fly very much in regular clothes. So that, that was really nice to see in this one. Um, and, and again, like the, uh, you know, to, to speak more about the, the Fortress of Solitude, uh, he's talking with his dad, you know, as opposed to uh, talking with his mom in the theatrical version. It's kind of weird too, seeing like uh, you, you got Lois, you know, wearing like Clark's shirt. Yeah. The blue shirt there while he's talking to his dad. That was, that was kind of interesting because like, uh, I, I don't think I really found Lois in like Superman's clothes sexy until Terry Hatcher did it in Lois and Clark. Yeah. Well, well Terry yeah. Hatcher was a, you know, she yeah. was a beautiful woman. Well, so. Much prettier. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think I already know your answer, but you probably didn't really care for the Marlon Brando in this scene, you know, where it's like his floating head, you know, talking and stuff. Yeah, like like I say once again, it's just this is Brando. I feel this is Brando being Brando, where I think he had a lot of influence on how this should go, and he just they just let him do whatever he really wanted to do type of deal, and it did. It just felt it just felt so out of place and over the top to me. In in this one where uh, Superman loses his powers in the Donner version, is just a glow of red. And he's done. Now, in the theatrical version, I think we were all creeped out with this weird special effects of, like, seeing his skeletal, muscular, like, 3D thing where he's, like, in flames. You know, I, I don't even know how to describe that scene, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, where, yeah, because that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's when oh, he – and then also, like, how he basically split into two. You still see oh, right. Superman. He's, he stays inside that chamber, and then – but Clark, he walks out. And, and mm -hmm. then he, and then you see Superman just kind of phase away. But I, yeah, I thought that was kind of a little creepy looking, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm actually looking at an image right now of the, the the split that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So the, that that was definitely different. And the the fight at the White House is pretty much the same. With uh, again, with just a few differences. We already touched on the the whole ribbon thing, but we do see uh you know Ursa fight a little bit more. I think. Maybe the Donner version shows like um, 
Azad wielding a gun. I don't think the theatrical version does that. No, uh, no. Uh, I think uh, I think no. He does a little bit more too in this scene. I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I might be wrong, but but I think he did a little bit more in in yeah, that scene as well. I well, to be honest, I, I think I think the Donner version just might be longer. You know, I, I think they all do. You know, do a little bit more, but um. You know, they do retain the whole president scene, you know, where he walks in. He's like, kneel before Zod. You are not the president. No one who leads so many could possibly kneel so quickly. I'm the man they're protecting. I'm the president. I'll kneel before you if it will save lives. It will. Starting with your own. I do now, I do for the sake of the people of the world. But there is one man here on earth who will never kneel before you. Who is this imbecile? Where is he? I wish I knew. Oh, God. Zod. I just love that scene, man. It's a great scene. Yeah, and the way, play, uh, the way uh, Terrence Stamp, he plays it. I, I don't know, just something about how he delivered his lines. It's like he just know he's this, you know, he's so much better. So he speaks with his head tilted up. So it's almost like he's, you know, putting his nose down to people in a way, in a sense. That, and that delivery of, of how he delivered his lines in that scene, I, I love that as well. Yeah, he's taking it like really serious too. So uh, de- definitely very menacing. And I think that's what I like uh, most about like part two. And, and again, either versions in comparison to like all the Superman movies. It's like Zod is the ultimate badass in all, all you know, the entire franchise thus far. And so part three, you kind of mentioned it, how like after two, you know, they all kind of fall off. Part, part, part three, you got, you know, Richard Pryor isn't, which isn't really a bad guy, but you got uh, Lex Luthor light, you yeah. know, bad guy, you know, and then, uh, part four, you got, you know, Gene Hackman again, Lex Luthor, and then you also got Nuclear Man, you know, not a huge fan of that. No, so, neither am I. Yeah. So I've always been a big fan of Zod. So that's why, like, I, I think, like, two is always, like, my favorite. Yeah. Same, same here. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else to add about the White House? Well, just in the fact that uh, when uh, Lex Luthor shows up and waving the white flag and, you know, it's like, I'm Lex Luthor, you know, the greatest mastermind of of this time. And, you know, in the way he basically, you know, he kind of eases his way into whatever they got going on. I I thought that was kind of it was it was funny in a way because it's like Lex is always even though he is a genius, he is a mastermind, but he know he has to push the right buttons to get what he wants, especially from these people, because they, at the drop of a hat, they could kill him and not even think twice. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're like Superman with the same powers, but at the same time, they do not care about him because he's not like them. Right. They, I mean, um, Zod says something like that too, where he's just like, you know, you're, you're not offering us anything that we can't just, ha- you know, take ourselves without you, you know? And so like, I don't know about you, man, but I, I, I feel that like Lex Luthor in, I don't. I don't think any version of him in the the live movies has been very menacing. You know, like the, the first movie, he's trying to take, uh, you know, blow up San Andreas Fault. You know, and and then you get Kevin Spacey, almost the same thing. Like he he just wants land. You know, so like I don't know. Like I, I he's nothing like the comic books. You, you know, like 
like how Jack Nicholson was as a Joker. Like, you know, I don't feel like Gene Hackman or Kevin Spacey was ever to that level with their portrayals of Lex Luthor. So, man, I, and with Jesse Eisenberg and this Batman v Superman, I, I hope he brings it for sure. I mean, just a, just a little bit of what they've shown of uh, Eisenberg and um, Batman versus Superman. It, you you kind of intrigued to see what he's going to do because, like you said, you know, with the way Hackman played him was more almost kind of comedic in a way, especially mm-hmm. in especially in two. It's very it's very comedic in mm-hmm. in a way. And then I think Kevin Spacey was more playing how Hackman was because uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Superman Returns is supposed to be the new Superman three. Because yeah. it, it it you know it basically erases what um, the original three and four was supposed to be. So this was supposed to be the true Superman three with uh, returns. So Kevin Spacey is more trying to play it the way Gene Hackman was in a way. Um, but to be honest, I my favorite version of Lex Luthor, as far as whether it's on screen or the on the big screen or on the small screen, has been uh, John Shea from Lois and Clark. Oh, okay, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I actually forgot about him, and I know I brought up Lois and Clark earlier. Yeah, you're right. Like e- even the one on Smallville, I know you didn't uh, see see that very much, but uh, I, I thought I thought he was fine in that one. But but the thing is, they were friends. Yeah, yeah, that whole. And I, I think that's one reason why I couldn't get into Smallville because it's like, oh, they knew each other, you know, when they were young and this, that, right. and the other, and then they slowly, you know, grew apart because of you know both had different interests and stuff like that. But I mean, John Shea, he basically was a bad guy. Yes. But I've been a fan of John Shea. I mean, I've seen him on other stuff, but I really enjoyed his portrayal of Lake Soup. I kind of wish they would have, you know, had him for like one of the movies or something, but yeah. Yeah. yeah like a, a nod to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, in the scene where uh, low. Okay. So the, the part where Lois and Clark go to the diner, you know, and he gets beat up. That's yeah. Pretty much exactly the same. The difference is when he tries to go back and get his powers, you know, where uh, in the Donner version, he, again, he talks to your your, your, your buddy here, Jarrell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the theatrical version, he doesn't talk to anybody, but he does find that green crystal, you know, that, that uh, you know, gives him back his powers. But, you know, that seems a lot more shorter because obviously he's not talking to anybody. Yeah, which I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like... They just okay. We're gonna get him in. He get his powers and he gets out. Opposed to the Donna version, you know, he goes he's back and talks to Jarrell, and they go through that whole exchange. I, I will say this: I, in regards to the whole uh, Jarrell scene with him, I did like um, the Clark part of that. I, I like that part because it was him. You know, he has to basically because he gave up his powers, so now he has to go get them back and. I don't know. I guess it's the the expressions that was on Christopher Reeve's face. That you know his acting in that scene. I, I liked his acting in that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's also kind of nice because like we've been seeing seeing like the floating head this entire time, but now like Marlon Brando's like kind of there in the flesh. You know, uh, there's a part where he actually like puts his hand on on Clark's uh, shoulder. You know, and they're having that talk. So basically, by giving his powers back. That means that he's no longer going to be able to see Jorel. So it's a bit of a sacrifice there, you know, and, and I, I kind of like it because in the scene, we see Clark being human. You know, he is he's beat the shit, you know, and, and now he's just like, 
I can't hang. I need my powers, <laughs> you know? And he's like, that's the only way I'm going to be able to save mankind. Like I, I need my powers. And if it sacrifices me being able to communicate with you, so be it. So yeah, I, I do like the scene because you, you clearly lack that in the, the theatrical version. Yeah. It's like, it was just like, like I said earlier, it's just, okay. He goes back, gets his power. And then he's back to being Superman opposed to this whole uh, character development, you know, uh, transgression where he basically, like you say, he have to sacrifice, make this sacrifice that he will not be able to speak to his dad anymore. And then uh, basically the the entire third act is all, you know, the chase and the fights and stuff like that. The The theatrical version pretty much uh, takes ma- the, the main footages. Uh, they all seem to be pretty much the same. Except for the Lester version, you know, added like some of these cheesy scenes that we all kind of remember uh, from the theatrical version. Um, now, did the third act make a make enough differences? And this is excluding the end, which we'll get to. The uh, the, the this third act with the chase and the fight and stuff like that in the city. Did, did was there enough differences that that you noticed or that uh, that that uh, gave you like a different opinion on? Which which of them did it differently? Well, there is uh, two things. Uh, one, of course, I believe is when um, our three bad guys they're um, when they're uh, like blowing, you know, the wind at Clark and everything. I mm-hmm. think that's done a little differently because then you know he flies off and everything like that. I think that's that's done a little differently. I can't remember exactly what details of that is, but I can I, I know there are a few differences to it, but I just can't remember exactly which little details that are different to that. But um I don't know if you remember the part, you know, when the cab comes around the corner and it has that big hole in in it. In the they ground. cut no, no, uh, the, uh, the cab car, uh, the taxi. Oh, the cab. Yeah. Okay. okay. When it comes around the corner, because uh, in the theatrical version, there's there's a part like toward the beginning of the movie when Clark is crossing the street and the cab hits him. Right. And of course, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do any damage to him because he's Superman. So he continues on, and the cab driver he gets out, he looks at it, and he's like, "You weirdo," like that, right? Right. So right. that same cab comes around the corner at the uh, big, you know, fight at the end, and he's he's he show this shows him, you know, looking out, and he's looking around like, "What's going on?" But with that, it's almost like, okay, why is this cab, you know, had this big hole in the front because they cut that part out of the Donna version, right? Now, um, to 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 your first point, and correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, again, it's, it's really hard watching these two kind of back to back, being basically the same movie. Uh, um, I think in the theatrical version, what uh what Superman does is he lures the baddies away, right, to the Fortress of Solitude to to prevent you know further uh, damage and hurt to the people. In in the the Donner version, they actually kidnap Lois and yep. and and. You know, he follows them that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have a preference on which way they handled it? I actually like uh, Superman. You know, just luring them away, opposed to the whole kidnapping of uh, Lois. Well, yeah. Lois and uh, Lex Luthor, L- L- right? Lex, yeah. Because they kind of add, they had to add on the little comedy uh, stick to it with uh, when they're flying because uh, Lex is on Ursa and. Uh, Lois is on none and she almost falls off of none. And he's like, it's like, he's angry that she almost fell. And then he, they show like the little shots of uh, Lex Luthor. He's kind of like fidgeting around on Ursa and everything. Like he's trying not to fall off. And it's like, okay, this, this is clearly for comic relief here. Or right. 
And so the Fortress of Solitude, now this is where the, the, there's definitely some differences. In the lesser version, they actually spend a little bit more time on there. Uh, you know, we obviously know the the whole scene about um, uh, Superman reversing, you know, the powers, you know, so that way when he's inside that capsule, you know, it, it protects him and takes away everyone else's powers. Mm-hmm. In the theatrical version, they play a little, little... I don't know what kind of game this is, but like he like duplicates himself, you know, and is able to disappear, then reappear, yep. that kind of thing. Donner doesn't do that. But also what the theatrical version added was that big cellophane S that everyone hates. Yeah. <laughs> I got no explanation, man. You got anything on that one? Like, I, I, that I, don't, is. I, I don't know what that is and what it was even supposed to do because when he throws it at Nan and, and it hits him, he falls down. It's like, okay, is it going to do something to him? But then he just gets right up and he still has all his powers. So it didn't, it's like, okay, what the heck was this thing? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, it was really nothing. But um, the Donner version doesn't have none of that. They, they, they it's actually pretty quick, you know. Like uh, the you know you you got Superman reversing the powers, and then uh, everyone gets knocked down to the bottom of uh, the Fortress of Solitude, and that's it. You know, that's yeah. it. And then they they uh, they fly right outside, and Superman uses his, his heat vision and and basically destroys you know the Fortress of Solitude, which obviously the theatrical version didn't do. So what what did you think about this big difference right here at the end? Well, the way that plays almost, because, you know, Lex Luthor is there the whole time. You don't see him fly out of there with them. So it's almost like, okay, did he kill Lex? The, the, <laughs> the, way, the way that looks is, almost, okay, you, you, didn't, you didn't take Lex Luthor with you. They don't show what happened to him. So apparently he's still there and you blew him up too. Along with the other three. Yeah, like, like we, we we're to assume that they died, but had they, you know, maybe just fallen to like a, a really uh, deep part of the, the the fortress, they they are now being crushed, you know, by all the debris of this uh, of the crystals. Oh well, also one one other thing too, we we didn't mention, you you know, uh, when uh, Lex and uh, Miss Tessmacher is in the fortress of Solitude, you know, when she <laughs> when she goes to the bathroom, you know, right, she, right. she she never comes back. So it's like, okay, well, what happened to her? I mean, granted, and because the story, I mean, I read in real life was, you know, she didn't return. And a lot of the stuff with uh, Gene Hatton, he didn't actually return. They they actually used the uh, like stand-ins and, you know, people mm-hmm. like that for a lot of his stuff because he didn't return for the filming of uh, Superman 2. That's they right. Did, so it's like, but in regards to Miss Tessmacher, it's like, okay, well, where exactly did she disappear to when she went to the bathroom? Well, I mean, because I think she even uh, she wasn't even sure if like the bathroom that she knew was even the bathroom or or the toilet. I forget the actual line. So maybe whatever she knew, she fell in. Like that's it. Like, yeah, she, yeah, she is still there. <laughs> so she got. So she was blown up too. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Superman killing everyone left and right in this one. Yeah. Um. So other than that, the the end scene now in the theatrical version, we got Clark back at the Daily Planet. He kisses Lois and she forgets everything. So yep. we get this magical kiss that erases everything that happened. Now, in the daughter version, basically does the same thing that the, the first movie does, where he spins the world around and we see everything going back in reverse. So yep. this doesn't erase Lois's memory. This just takes it back to the beginning of the Donner version movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, the Donner cuts movie, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we get that. Now, the the, the big flaw in the Donner version with this happening is that mm-hmm. it ends the same way. He goes back to that diner 
to to that asshole, you know, the the, the trucker that uh, beat him up earlier. Yep. Now, in the daughter version with him reversing everything, he's beating up a man who has no recollection of anything happening. Yeah, in regards to the, the encounter between the two of them. Right, because I mean, it, oh. it never happened. Yeah. You know? And then as opposed to the theatrical version, Lois forgets everything that happened. I don't know if everyone else forgot too, but but him getting beat up, that still happened. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's kind of weird how how they do that, but but in regards to the Donner version where he goes back there and he beats the hell out of the dude, yeah, I mean, granted the guy deserved it because sure. I'm pretty sure, I mean, from the way the other people of that diner reacted to him, obviously whenever he came in there, he always caused some kind of trouble, so mm-hmm. he definitely deserved it. But in this case, Clark went back and beat this dude up basically for no reason in a sense. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. So, uh, I, I think we covered like, um, a lot of the, a lot of the differences. Was there anything else that we did not cover? Um, trying to think here. Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered all the, you know, uh, important parts. Well, Well, I would say this. Um, I did like the fact that they dedicated, um, the Richard Donner cut to Christopher Reese, who had you know passed away by that point. So yes. I, I, I like that they you know they gave him you know the dedication and everything and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, but as far as anything else in the movie, um, no, I think we covered pretty much everything. Okay. Now, one of the, the the big things that we do on this show is that we obviously you know we watch these two and then we tell you know, the, the listeners. You know, which one do we uh, prefer? You know, so in this case, it's, it's not a remake or anything like that. Do you prefer the Lester version or the Donner version? I actually prefer the Donner version. Mm-hmm. And it's because I think, like I said earlier, um, because it's more of a more of a complete story in a sense, whereas the theatrical cut is more. You can tell that there was, if you're someone who's in the filmmaking like we are, you can tell that there was a lot of, you know, reshoots and stuff being flipped around. So it doesn't, it feels disjointed. Whereas the Donner cut, it feels more of a straightforward narrative to a more complete um, story. So that's one, that's why I like the Richard Donner cut over the theatrical version. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I recommend the Donner version over the Lester version. It is kind of nice seeing like a, like a, basically a brand new movie uh the, the biggest thing for me is actually the reveal you know the whole shooting clark thing i really yeah. dig that I, I think that was the big thing also the donner version omits like all of those funny scenes that lester actually added to to make it more his you mm-hmm. know the donner version is actually like 11 minutes shorter so there's that yep. you know and um you know, you still get the baddies in both versions. Both versions are still good, but we we just uh, recommend the the Donner version first, or o- over the, the the lesser version. So I, I guess it's more of a preference. But they're both good movies. Yeah, yeah, they're both good. Yeah, I won't, I'm not saying yeah, I'm not saying that you know uh, one is a more inferior movie. It's just that the Donner version seems. It's just a little bit more better. Like you say, it's more of a preference, I guess, because mm-hmm. some people don't like you know director's cuts over theatrical versus and vice versa right exactly so yeah definitely check out the donner version uh if you have not uh heard about it or even seen of it it, it's just it's it's just really nice to see all this new footage you know it's like i mean it's exactly what it is It's, it's watching a movie that you grew up watching and then all of a sudden there's like all these new scenes you know it's 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 more than deleted scenes it it changes the narrative 
of certain plots, you know, um, and, and we covered a, a bunch of those. So, yeah, I, I think that's it. Uh, so, Jade, you want to go ahead and give out your contacts again and where listeners could find your show? Yeah, um, basically, uh, you can follow uh, Keita and Jay Show. We're on Twitter. Um, we have a page on Twitter. You can follow us on there. Um, also, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Palm Bay, uh, FM Player. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, basically, any of those formats, you can go and just type in Keita and Jay. It's uh, K-E-D-A-A-N. J-A-Y on most of them. Um, others is K-E-D-A, the letter N, J-A-Y, show. And like I said, all of our shows, where it's wrestling shows, our movie shows, um, we do a, we did a few specials because I did a few, uh, one where talking about football and stuff like that because we're trying to, you know, broaden our, you know, horizon as far as uh, content and everything, bring in new people. So like I said, all those formats, you can, you know, follow us and check out our past episodes and also our future episodes as well. Yeah. And also, also, I just want to give a shout out to my co-host, Keita. Um, you can follow her on Twitter as well at uh, Yeah, You Know It 1991. Uh, she's on there. So like I say, if you want to contact her or whatnot, talk to her about different stuff, you can. And like I say, she would be very upset if I hadn't plugged all of our shows. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely check out the Keita and Jay show. Um, th- thanks again, Jay, for, for coming on here. Uh, now, on on Twitter, if you guys want to uh, get a hold of my co-host Michael Denniston, you can um, shoot him a tweet over at War Machine Horse, and also check out his great show uh, War Machine versus War Horse. And um, for Original Remake, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, just type in at Original Remake. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review. And if you want to email in, give us a suggestion for uh, some pairings in the future, you can uh, send those to originalremakepod at gmail.com. So uh, next week, I think we're, you know, I don't even know what we're doing next week. I, I'm terrible without Michael. I, I'll, I'll tell you that. I'm, uh, I, I can definitely not hold the show on my own. So <laughs> no, you, no, you, no, you did a good job. I mean, oh. I'm kind of, I'm kind of saying where we keep it. I really can't. No, I definitely can't function without her on the show. So, and that's, <laughs> and that's, that's going to be on the show because she's going to listen to this episode. So she'll be happy about that, that I can't function without her on the show because she is my tag team partner. So there it is. And, and I believe that's a wrestling, a wrestling reference there. Yes, but, it is. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely are not complete without our co-hosts. So I, I think you'll agree with that, obviously. So, well, uh, we will see you guys next time.